This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. The New York Times has named Arden one of their top ten hosts. And just this year, the Dog Writers Association of America has given this show, Four-Legged Life, its top radio award. Arden is driven to live her motto... Bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four Legged Life. And we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Tevra Pet, for a happier and healthier pet. Online at tevrapet.com. And also our good friend Janice at Save My Pet ID Tag. Your pets are never alone when you own Save My Pet ID Tag. Online at SaveMyPetIDTag.com. What's up, pet pals? Welcome to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. Yep, it's me, Arden Moore. Hey, for this episode, we are going to speed forward to the future. I'm talking 10,000 years. We all know that our dogs are quite adaptable. But how would global warming or a new ice age alter their looks? Come on, it's time to unleash our imaginations. And here to help us is America's pet advocate. He's a great veterinarian and a good friend. We're talking Dr. Ernie Ward. (laughs) Welcome back to the show, Dr. Ernie. Oh, gosh, Arden, thank you so much. Uh, your listeners are the greatest. And this is a, it's a really a, kind of an interesting topic that maybe oh. people haven't given some thought to, you know? I like it. I like it. I mean, you know, you have teamed up with Base Paws. This is a pet genetic company. And you all are trying to scientifically predict how global warming or a new ice age is going to alter the appearance of many, many dog breeds. And I think you're also hopefully going to share a little bit about what scientists speculate how dogs maybe on Mars would look like. That's right. You, you, you know, got to admit, that's wild. It, it is. But Arden, these are actually serious questions that demand serious scrutiny, right? And and and, and we're not the first to look at this. I mean, Oxford right. researchers have looked at this over time. And really what people are most concerned about is like, what changes would happen to like the plants that we eat? What about yeah. water and minerals? And how would we live, right? And And more importantly, if thousands of years of climate change occur in the future, how would that change our own physiology? And so all we did was sort of take some of that research that's in existence out there already and some very, very, you know, well, you know, researched studies. And they say, okay, what what if we just use our imagination, as you mentioned, and and applied this to dogs? And and I'll tell you, I do believe that a lot of this stuff is going to come to fruition. My dear friend, Stephen Kotler, who's a very famous author, he writes all these books, Abundance, you know, and and has teamed up with a lot of futurists. And this is this goes back to a conversation Stephen and I were having 20 years ago because we were worried about the the coming resource scarcity, right? So what that means out there to the listeners is that 
food prices, water scarcity, all those things would impact our ability to have pets, right? Because that becomes kind of a luxury whenever you can barely feed and provide water for your family. So Steve and I have been running these thought experiments for 20 or more years amongst ourselves and, and some of our close friends, but you know, it was really fun to put it into action and and then actually generate some interesting images using AI. Oh, yeah. And we hopefully are going to be showing those images with a link to this episode. So everybody, you're going to get a look at what a beagle might look like or a, you know a Great Dane and things like that. So, Dr. Ernie, let's, there's different three scenarios. Let's go to global warming for 200, please. How could our dogs be adapt to global warming? And I think the fur is gone. Yeah, right. Because heat is going to be the biggest enemy of us, right? And so obviously preserving hydration, you know, that's going to be also paramount to survival. And, you know, and one of the things too, we were talking to some journalists and and one of the the skeptics said, well, oh, you know, you're just assuming that these uh, changes occur on their own. But remember, when it comes to dogs, we select the traits that make sense. So, you know, in the future, these changes will be accelerated by human breeding and interactions, right? I mean, just like we've seen a preponderance of mixed breed dogs, all the doodles out there, if you will. Like we're doing that. The reason that doodles are popular is because they meet a need, a current need of current urban society, right? We wanted dogs that were a little smaller, a little more trainable, you know. And that's hairy. Right, right, exactly. So so I believe that that will, all these changes will be accelerated. So we're looking at thinner coats, obviously, right? We're probably looking at some dispersal of heat, which would be like maybe larger ears, right? Oh, really? Oh, my right. dog Kona has big ears. She's looking, <laughs> she's happy about that. I want some big ear dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe even the appendages would be either shorter or longer. And there's a couple huh. of scenarios that could impact that, right? Because obviously it depends on really what we breed them for. My guess, I surmise that we'll build smaller dogs, if you will, because they require less energy. And that means, of course, less heat to dissipate. Also, it requires less water and it enables enables them to preserve it. Also, coloration, Arden, right? I mean, so we're probably going to see lighter colors to help reflect back UV rays to also keep them cool. So, you know, these are just some fun things that all the all the little dogs in the world right now are clapping their paws because they're being branded as purse my ride dogs, but they may be the dogs in a global warming 10,000 year scenario. Without a doubt. And and one of the things, too, if we look at sort of how human physiology and our own morphology, our body <laughs> shapes and sizes change. Remember that if you look at people that live around the equator of the planet, right? So the warmest right? regions around the center of the earth. Those people tend to be smaller in stature, okay? And this is because, again, to preserve, you know, hydration and use less resources and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't really until humans began going into colder climates up northern latitudes that we started seeing increases in size. And there's a lot of reasons for this, including (laughs) preservation of heat, right, to warm up and actually to be able to store extra food because, you know, we might have some uh, intervals between. So, again, just some all speculation, but 10,000 years into the future, I think that today's dogs will look largely the same, but there will be some significant changes. The other thing is we don't know what's happening underneath the fur, right? That's where I think yeah. the real adaptations are going to occur. I think these dogs are going to, again, improve their kidney functions to conserve water and electrolytes more efficiently. I also believe that hormonally, they're going to change probably the way their reproductive patterns are because, right, with if we not see have as many puppies or maybe? have as many, exactly. And maybe only once a year instead of multiple times a year. 
right? So, you know, for most dogs, they go through two heat cycles currently, and maybe that gets reduced to one, again, just because of resource <laughs> scarcity and, and survivability and so forth. So I think that we're going to see some of those physiological changes. You know, one of the things we were talking about also as we were brainstorming around this is like, what adapt adaptations can you make physiologically to protect yourself against radiation injury, right? So there might oh. be some different cells that would become more uh, more abundant, if you will, to help protect us. And again, just what would we look at as far as like the DNA, like the telomeres, which is the end of it, which kind of is that biological time clock, you know, that we talk about right. a lot. So the length of telomeres indicates lifespan. So I think you change, also, you said yeah. something, uh, you all, and this is fascinating. I mean, I've known you for many years and you are my man. You started the, you know, the Association for the Prevention of Pet Obesity. You did a great book called Chow Hounds. You're yeah. an amazing guy. You got to say, this was kind of a cool little yeah. uh, opportunity for you to peek into the future. Take a furry canine glo globe and, and shake it and say what what's going to be happening, right? Oh, yeah. And, and again, you know, Baseballs by Zoetis, which, you know, Zoetis is the world's largest animal health company. They're they're looking at these. Yeah, these they're, are they're, big, big players. <laughs> yeah, they're imagining, you know, the future in 100 and 300 years. Right. I mean, these are companies that are going to be around for a long time and they have been around for a long time. And so, you know, for us, it's just a fun way to kind of take genetics and say what kind of changes might be accelerated or adaptations might, you know, be generated by climate change. So the first scenario, of course, is the most likely based on the current science, and that is yeah, a, a warming planet. But we also looked at a few other scenarios. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, we're speaking with Dr. Ernie Ward. Everybody knows him. He's America's pet advocate. He's teamed up with Base Paws. And I love this episode. We are the longest running pet show on the planet. We've been on since 07. Maybe we'll be on in 10,000 years. That could be possible because this is the kind of episode we're covering. But hey, everybody, when we come back, we're going to flip it. What would happen if we get into a new ice age and how would our dogs look and act? So stick around, sit, stay. We'll be right back. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life, and it's time to announce our January digital newsletter grand prize winner, and it is Ron S. Congratulations, Ron. You've won a Save My Pet ID tag from our good friend Janice at SaveMyPetIDTag.com. And if you'd like to be our next monthly winner, head over to FourLeggedLife.com, subscribe to our monthly newsletter, and enter our monthly contests. It's just that easy. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Welcome back to the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're talking with America's pet advocate, veterinarian, Dr. Ernie Ward, and he's sharing his scientific take on what life would be like and how dogs would be maybe in 10,000 years. Now the scenario is what happens if we have a new ice age? 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I know all the talk is about a hot planet, but it wasn't that long ago that scientists were speculating we could be entering into a new ice age. So, you know, these are again, the climate is very complex. And so, you know, we're looking at lots of different scenarios. So what happens in the future <laughs> if suddenly everything is frostbitten? Right. If suddenly, you know, we've got icicles hanging from our, our dens and at dinner time, you know, we have to sit around a big fire to keep warm. And so, you know, again, as we mentioned with with climate change in, in a hot environment, we also realize that people are going to breed and select dog traits that are beneficial in a colder climate. And so this really kind of goes into some of the common sense things you'd think about. I do want to talk about the physiological changes that we speculate. But number one, we're going to see thicker fur coats, right? So more okay. dense coats. Just, just imagine, you know, a dog needing to protect itself. They need their own fur coat to insulate against that. <laughs> so that's going to be one thing that we would definitely see longer, thicker fur coats, just like you would you know, associate today. Also, you know, Oh, I got I got to step in here. All the Bernie's mountain dogs listening right now are going, yeah, Dr. Bernie. We man, told you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Even though they're in North Carolina or South Carolina, we are we're preparing for the future. The other thing too is is going to be body fat, right? Because that is the biggest insulator we have against the cold and and honestly, as humans migrated north in northern latitudes, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, we also saw people get larger as we mentioned in the last segment. And so one of the things they did was store more body fat. And that wasn't just for energy, but also for insulation. So I expect to sense. see larger dogs with more body fat, especially, you know, when we look at where the body fat is distributed and there's, there's two different types. And those of you that have followed me in my fight against obesity all these years know, I talk about the two different types of fats and the one fat we talk about so often, which is the more harmful fat is the white fat. Okay. So this is the, the, the belly fat, if you will, you know, people, when they think of harmful effects, we think that, but remember, there's another type of fat that we all have as mammals called brown fat, which actually is okay. physiologically active in different ways. Okay, it's a better source of energy whenever we need to store it up. But more importantly, it's also a better insulator. And so this is why you tend to see brown fat in animals stored along their backs, okay, and oh. their sides. So I think you'll probably see physiologically an adaptation there to go towards more brown fat, again, for energy and insulation. We also expect to see things, you know, again, like these are dogs that may have to scavenge more, right? So they mm -hmm. may be, you know, in a cold climate having to, to go and hunt. And so I do expect them to be a little more wolf-like or we wind up breeding as we did with climate change in the warm environment to make smaller dogs to be able to keep inside, you know, to keep warm and so forth. But Well, you again, know... You know, chihuahuas are not really happy about this scenario, oh, right? yeah. No, 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 no. But long-haired Dotson say, hey, we told you so. <laughs> That's okay. right. So well, everybody this likes is fun. This. It is fun. And, and so what we did, too, is we took a lot of these different uh, morphological or body shape and characteristics, and we put them into an AI generator. And we said, okay, here's what Dr. Ward is saying, and here's what some of our geneticists are saying. You know, what, what would this look like? And so that was really a fun part of it. So there are some sophisticated AI image generators out there. So you take in and you say, what would this look like over the next 10,000 years? And, and I hope everybody that's listening can go check out those images because they're uh, well, at first, you know, they're comical. I'll, I'll be the first yeah. to admit, you know, they're kind of like, oh, OK. But then you start to realize, wow, this could actually happen. You know, I, I get where they're going with this stuff. But again, I think as with hot climates, you know, Arden, the bigger changes are going to be underneath the fur, the physiological adaptations, how we burn, you know, fat, how we store energy, you know, what what processes for proteins and minerals and so forth. I think I think really from for me, I always go back to nutrition 
and how do we survive physiologically? And I think that, again, you know, we're going to conserve water. We're going to have to do more with less food or calories, and we're going to need to store that in a way that actually benefits us from a, a heat standpoint. And we may have to go to Mars. Yep, that's that that was actually the most fun. And I'll tell you, Arden, in my last book, The Clean Pet Food Revolution, I actually talked about this, talked about, yeah. you know, because right now and, and and several years ago, I was invited to talk to, to a group of folks who were talking about space colonization. And at that time, they were really looking more towards the International Space Station and so forth and and further colonization, maybe on the moon and Mars. And 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 as I was talking to these folks, it was glaringly obvious that they had omitted any type of companion animal. Now, life on another planet, life in space without any animal yeah. compatriot, I think is is missing the human element. Like, I think that's not even the human existence. And I made this argument. I said, I don't think that humans, we didn't evolve in the absence of all other animal nope. life. <laughs> so, so I think you're taking a big part of humanity away if you don't, you know, kind of try to incorporate animals into the into space. And so one of the things we did look at was what would that look like? And again, this is something that myself, Stephen Kotler and others, you know, we've been brainstorming around this for a while because we really are encouraging folks, if you're listening and you're involved with some of the, the Mars colonization, remember, I mean, I'm that guy yeah, who's don't been forget about it for Who years. let the dogs out in, we, in, in Mars? <laughs> right, right. But I think it's just important part of being a human being. It is, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so we started looking at what would that look like? A, they have to be small dogs, right? Because okay. on space, you know, you've got a couple of things, but the key element that we have to conserve is oxygen. So you've got to have a dog or, you know, or a cat. And look, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'll say I'll take any mammal. In fact, we did talk about, you know, like uh, gerbils and hamsters and small mammals, right? Because I, okay. I think that humans just need something else other than a plant well, or a fungi to take care of in this space. This is where the chihuahuas are now back to loving you. <laughs> they are back, yeah. Oh, man, any of the toy breeds are probably listening right now a little more attentively. And yeah. so, you know, we do know that small to conserve oxygen. I do think that there are some ways physiologically to adapt them to low oxygen environments. And wow. so I think that we can actually enhance that for sure. And this has to do with red blood cells, of course, so density of red blood cells, numbers, you know, uh, per liter. So I think that there's some ways that we could even, you know, sort of quickly adapt dogs to do better in a lower oxygen environment to conserve oxygen for humans, of course, and and plants, because we got to got to eat up there. This you've got to admit, this has been a fascinating dive into what could be in 10,000 years. None of us will be around right now to prove it or disprove it. But it really does work your brain muscles too, doesn't it? In a different way. It really does. And again, we didn't even touch on what if we could manipulate the DNA, right? Because I think yeah. that actually a lot of cool stuff could happen that way as far as preventing disease, you know, enhancing yeah. physiological mechanisms and, and systems. So, I mean, there's a lot more that could be done, but, you know, let's just kind of look at it in current day lens <laughs> and, and kind of move forward. But if you get a chance, check out some of those ing- images because I think they're quite fascinating. Now, there's two places I want people to dash off to. Let's go to Dr. Ernie Ward, correct? Dot com. Right. Dr. And uh, basepause.com. Did I get that right? You got it right. Oh, my gosh. Any parting message? We just got a couple of minutes that you want to say to all the people out there because you are the man that is trying to keep our pets from getting too fat and trying to save our planet, looking at plant based proteins. I mean, what a mission you have carved out for yourself. 
Well, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm one of those people that continues to see the glass half full. I know there's a lot of challenges ahead of us, but I see a bright future 10,000 years into the future, whether it's hot or cold or on Mars. (laughs) I think that it's going to be really fulfilling. And I hope to see our companions next to us. And I hope that they deliver pizza. That's just my humble wish. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on that. I am with you on that. (laughs) Hey, everybody. We've been speaking with America's pet advocate. He is Dr. Ernie Ward. And I have so much enjoyed this episode. Wow. Make that bow wow. Welcome back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. He's back. And he picked the perfect month to come back because February is National Pet Dental Health Month. He is the inventor of a product. You must check it out for your dog. It's called Yummy Combs and the co-founder of Pet's Best Life. Please welcome back to our show, Dr. Joe Rately. Welcome back, Dr. Joe. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always great to be here. And it's interesting to realize that National Pet Dental Health Month has been going on now since 1993. That's about 30 years. Did my math is correct this morning? 31 for 24. There you go. (laughs) Hey, everyone. I love this guy because he's on a mission. You want a doggy kiss? You don't want doggy breath. Yuck. But beyond the odor, it's kind of a cry for help from the body that something's going on in the mouth or in the body that needs veterinary care. Right, Dr. Joe? That is correct. And I have a little piece here, if I could, this morning sure. from Dr. <laughs> Jan Bellas. Now, oh, he's a, he's a great dental veterinarian. He's legend. Legend. He really is, and we've worked with him quite a bit, and he's done a lot for us over the years. And he was one of the primary people that helped put together the VOHC seal for tartar and plaque removal. And let me interject. For those that don't know VOHC, please tell everybody what that represents, because that's a pretty big deal. It's the Veterinary Oral Health Council seal of approval. And to get that seal requires extensive testing of the product to prove that it, in fact, works. It's not just dental on the bag. It's testing. We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars doing the testing to get that. And that's fairly typical. It's an expensive process. But but it's worth it. It is worth it. It divides products kind of between we tested, and this is true that it does what it says versus it says dental on the bag. That can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So what but did here, the great Dr. Jan Bellows tell you? Well, here's what he said. The surprising link, how gum problems in dogs can affect their other organs. When we think about our furry friend's health, issues like periodontal disease might not be the first thing that comes to mind. However, like humans, Dog gum problems can have far-reaching effects beyond their mouth. Periodontal disease, especially gum disease, can be harmful to vital organs in the dog's body. So let's dive in, he says. 
You might know that bad breath and red gums can be signs of gum disease, but there's more to it than that. Periodontal disease is a common problem in dogs where the gums and tissue supporting teeth get inflamed. But here's the twist. This inflammation doesn't just stay in the mouth. Recent research suggests that inflammation and bacteria from gum disease can find their way to the bloodstream and travel to other parts of the body. This yes. is where the real trouble begins. Dogs' vital organs, like their heart, liver, and kidneys, are like engines that keep their bodies running smoothly. Imagine if something disrupted the engine's function, the whole system be at risk. Well, that's what happens when gum disease enters the picture. The chronic inflammation caused by gum problems converts an existing issues in these vital organs and even contribute to new problems. For instance, imagine if bacteria from the mouth hitched a ride to the heart. This could lead to a condition called endocarditis, which is the inflammation of the heart's inner lining. Or think about those bacteria causing trouble in the liver and kidneys affecting their ability to do their essential job. It's like a domino effect, one problem leading to another. And the surprising connection between gum disease and its potential harm to dogs, vital organs. Don't underestimate it. Amen, Dr. Jan Bello, and and you, Dr. Joe Rately. I mean, I teach pet first aid. I'm a master instructor, and one of the things we really emphasize is once a week doing a head to tail health check on your pet, looking, listening, smelling, and and safely touching. And I I tell my students, hey, if your dog has doggy breath or your cat. You need to get that checked out because there could be problems with the gums, but you're right. The body's organs, it's a cry for help, isn't it? It's the backdraft yeah. of an organ not doing so well, right? Yeah. I, I, I tell it a little differently than Dr. Okay. Does. <laughs> I say, you know, once the gum disease gets going and the uh, gums start to bleed a little bit, that opens up the circulatory system where the blood vessels are exposed. And those oh. bad guy organisms make the blood vessels a racetrack to the vital organs. And they make oh. a fast trip there. And that's where they do their real damage. The mouth, the smell and stuff, that's somewhat superficial versus the vital organ. I like so that. It's what, a, really what a good analogy, a racetrack. Yeah. So yeah. people need to know that Dr. Joe Rately is, yeah, he has a company with his wife, Judy, called Pets Best Life. And the, and the company has made, we're going to dive in, these honeycomb-shaped dental chews that are safe for your pet called Yummies. But the man, we got to always have to say this, your backstory. You weren't founder of the Reddies. Just kidding. You're founder of the what? Come on. Okay. My wife and I conceived and commercialized greenies. We also commercialized pill pockets prior to that. And <laughs> so uh, this is your third triumph, yummies. <laughs> well, yes. And, and a lot of what happens when you're doing these kind of things is you learn as you go. And so as I did the other products, I had ideas and I said, well, that's another problem that needs to be addressed. And so that's kind of how Yummy Combs really came about. And then I, I was kind of thinking about this after our non-compete was up with uh, Mars. And I had this lightning bolt flash one day. Where Wait a minute. I think you had this when a was yeah. running by you. Come the, on, the give bees, credit to the bee. <laughs> the bees were running by and uh, I just had this flash that I could address oral care, 
uh, safety and nutrition, all with one product. If I change the shape immensely, and that's how Yummy Combs came about. Uh, I say that it's kind of a hybrid between a hexagonal hockey puck (laughs) and the interior of a bee's nest. And so we put that together. I say Yummy Combs is hybrid wellness because wellness basically is combining two or more things to get a better outcome. And yeah, that's really and what Yummy Combs does. I got to tell you, I have a, a little dog named Emma. She's a big, mighty nine pounds. And I got a Kona, pet safety dog, Kona. She's about 35 pounds. And I give them those regularly. And what I like, and we're going to dive more in after the break, but your product doesn't enable a pet to choke. Tell us why. Well, what we done and I, I grew up when I was four years old my dog got killed in a farm accident accidental things happened and it did and that has left a big scar in my heart yeah but dogs also can choke on lots of things I've heard of dogs choking on tennis balls yes and a lot of things but what we've tried to do here is we've made yummy combs wider than the throat opening size of weight classes of dog the dog cannot swallow it without chewing on it some first, but we went three steps further than that. We also have very thin walls, so that dissolves quickly. Think of a real thin piece of ice versus yeah. a cube of ice. How how exactly melts. Or another one is, think of uh, a slice of bacon when you fry it versus a roast. How long does it take to do the roast versus that? That's what thinness does here, too. It helps us uh, get dissolving much faster. We've got an ingredient in it that then spurs it even more. And our biochemist, he is now 88 years old, but active yet. He came up with something we call Slickum. And it's a combination of ingredients that we put into the formula that when it gets wet by water or saliva becomes very, very, very slippery. And if a dog does have a chunk of a yummy comb in its throat, and the natural instinct is the cough, it will generally expel it right out of the mouth just because it's so slippery it can go there, not hang on. Yeah, he just talked about spit saving the life of your pet. We're talking with Dr. Joe Rightly. We're going to come back after we take this break and dive in a little bit more, but you all know the drill. We got to sit, stay. We'll be right back. Got dog? Got cat? One of the best ways to show your pet how much you love them is to take a pet first aid class. Arden Moore is a master certified pet first aid CPR instructor and founder of Pet First Aid for You. Very cool! These classes are fun and practical and feature pet safety dog Kona and cat Casey. No way. Yes, a real dog and cat teaching duo. Wait, Wait, what? All classes are veterinary approved and are available in person or via Zoom. Ready to sign up for a class? Sorry, it's it's just for people. Arden Moore's Pet First Aid for You classes are proudly supported by Zinzi Pie's Save My Pet ID Tags. Pet parents who wear Zinzi Pie's Save My Pet ID Tags in bracelet, keychain, and pendant versions are assured that their beloved fur babies will continue to receive the loving care that they deserve, even if the pet parents are not able to provide it. Online at SaveMyPetIDTag.com. Hey, 
everybody. Welcome back to the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We are getting schooled in a great way by the remarkable Dr. Joe Rately. He is the co-founder of Pets Best Life. He is the co-inventor of Yummies Combs and with his wife, Judy. Want to do a shout out to Judy? Come on, be a good hubby. Hey, Judy. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Here we go. Hang on. How long have you two been an item? We have been, we celebrated our 50th year in June of this year. Uh, wow. And we have worked side by side as entrepreneurs for over 25 years now. And so when you live and work with somebody basically 24 hours a day, there's no release. So you better get along. I think, I think your statements is validated. You are a good power couple. Hey, this is a big deal. And in 2023, it was the first year. Let me mark the date down, June 22nd, every year now, moving forward in part to a veterinarian, an integrative veterinarian by the name of Dr. Judy Morgan, has started a holiday called National Pet Prevent Choking Day. And because I'm not a fan of some things that we want our dogs to gnaw on, dogs do chew to self-calm and deal with boredom. But talk about that because choking... There's what, how many deaths over 200,000 a year from pets choking? I've seen estimates of 200 to 250,000 pets choking a year. Now, that doesn't mean they're all from dog treats or anything like that, but but that does occur. I talked with another vet from California about three weeks ago, and he's in a relatively large, not huge, veterinary clinic, and he says that they average one dog, almost one dog a day coming in with a choking issue. So help us out because dogs like to chew. So talk about yummy combs and it's doing a dual purpose because you've got the dental bennies, but you're also preventing choking. Yeah. This very revolutionary shape because almost all the treats out there, if you really look at them, they're pretty much rod shaped. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you want to call that. And that gets tricky when the dog tries to swallow it and it gets hung up in the curvature of this throat and esophagus. And then you've got a real problem. And it's very dramatic to the dog, to the owner, to the veterinarian that's working on it, because you're now working on a time clock that's going very, very fast. You got to get this correct. Yeah, because it can't breathe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we have basically tried to take what I have been able to put together and make it so it dissolves quickly from two points. One is the thin nature of it, and the second one is an ingredient that we use to hasten dissolving. And then the third part of that is simply this slick that... I love that term, slick them, slick them. If you lay a, a yummy cones on the table wet, you have a heck of a time picking a large or next to large up because they got enough weight. They'll just want to slip out of your hand. And that's very, very beneficial if a dog has a chunk in their throat. You've got it lubricated in effect to where the dog's natural instinct when it has something in its throat is to cough. And they can expel it right out of their mouth that way. And that's really important. It's it's also very, very important that we started talking about National Dental Health Month and getting these teeth cleaned up. And Yummy Combs is the first, and to my knowledge, the only treat that can floss 360 degrees around the teeth and scrub them at the same time down to the gum line 
And the the good news is that has been sufficient that we have earned the VOHC seal of uh, acceptance for tartar removal, which is important. Get rid of that tartar before the bad guys get built up too much in there. <laughs> the second thing that it has done this summer, we did an Yeah, they had a study, right? You had a study. Yeah. Independent clinical study where we looked at not will it clean the teeth or keep the, the tartar off the teeth, Will it remove hardened calculus? There's been a number of articles. And and slow down for a second. So tell us the difference between tartar and calculus. And I'm not talking about the math topic. Yeah. (laughs) From a tooth perspective, they really are the same thing. Now, plaque is the starting point. That's the sticky, gooey stuff on the teeth. But that then hardens into this hard tartar or calculus, whichever you prefer, and what people said, it's impossible for a treat to remove hardened tartar from the teeth. Well, we proved that wrong this summer because independent third-party study done by or led by two board-certified veterinary uh, dentists uh, showed a 20, over 25% removal of hardened tartar from teeth plus a 46% improvement in breath. And that has never been done before. In fact, there well, is are- this where we say Dr. Joe and Judy rightly take a play bow? <laughs> no, we, and we, have, we have more work to do. Okay. Things, things, more things that we want to do to help pets. That's really the reason we named the company Pets Best Life is because the name and its mission are identical. Gotcha. All about helping the pets have a better life. That's that's what we do. And that's how we wind up with 91 attributes, beneficial attributes in Yummy Comp. It's huge. It's it's almost incomprehensible. But we'll go through that and on some of our future. I'm I'm putting together a podcast of my own. And Artie's okay. gonna be on there with yes. me, hopefully before too long. And I would like we'll be, to be. Yeah. We'll be doing some of those things. The podcast is named Happy Tales by Mojo, because I am from the state of Missouri. That's M-O, and my <laughs> first name is Joe, and I just leave the O off. So it's kind of the, the action item of Mojo plus the uh, combination of Missouri and Joe. But but we'll be talking about those. Uh, it, it's fascinating, all the things. Be- and it's almost all related to the shape. Either it's the shape doing something, or it's the shape, it being packed with the nutrition and things that put together to make it into a, a great story. So what do you do when you wake up every day? What is your mindset? Because you are a serial entrepreneur. Same with your wife, Judy. You guys keep inventing, keep improving. Where did you get that spirit? So my I wake up and I have cereal. And so then I become <laughs> a serial entrepreneur. I, I guess it works like that or something. No, I... I wake up at night a lot of times in the middle of the night having thought of something and not been able to resolve how to do it. And I wake up in the middle of the night with this the brainstorm. And if I don't write it down by morning, I've forgotten part okay. of it. I know I had this great idea, but what in the heck was it? So I have to write it down. Do you uh, think maybe when you're sleeping, you're relaxed and your brain is more open to things because during the day we're kind of being tugged in all directions? Yeah, it, 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 our life was basically a rat race. Our, uh, 
Another way I'd put it, people ask me, how's your day been? And I say, well, we've been to the top of Mount Everest about six times and do uh, the bottom of Death Valley the equal number of times. And it's just a roller coaster, but, but it, it's fun. I enjoy it. There's, there's the good moments. There's the not so good moments, but, uh, we, we try to enjoy it and make, make fun out of why. So we've got about a minute left, Dr. Joe. Uh, what kind of, who's your current dogs that you have right now and how are their teeth? <laughs> oh, their teeth are doing great. We have Tilly. She's about a 40 pound Australian shepherd. She, she's the energy battery of the, <laughs> the world, you know? Right. Uh, and then we have a little dog, he's a Havishan, half Havanese, half Bashan. That's kind of Judy's dog. She picked it out. She, what's uh, her name? Named it well. I I kind of paid for it, so she named it Bentley. So my statement is, I bought my wife a Bentley, and I really did. <laughs> you don't have to put Bentley. gas in that tank, though. <laughs> no, no. Uh, he's a, he's a little cuddler, and he's a lot of fun. So, how do people find out more about Yummy Combs and Pets Best Life, Doctor Joe? Website. It's pets pets best life p-e-t-s-b-e-s-t-l-i-f-e dot com you also get there by yummycombs.com so everybody check out yummy combs because they have science behind them hey everybody i can't believe that's it for our show today i want to give a special pause up gratitude to our guest earlier we had america's pet advocate dr ernie ward and we just had dr joe Rately, the inventor of yummy combs Big thanks to you radio stations coast to coast for airing our show. Big special thanks to all you pet pals for tuning in. Please subscribe to my YouTube. It's growing. We've got over 700 videos. It is art and more. Pretty easy. And check out our website, fourleggedlife.com. Until next time, this is your host, Arden Moore, saying to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there, pause up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. And we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Tevra Pet, for a happier and healthier pet. Online at tevrapet.com. And also our good friend Janice at Save My Pet ID Tag. Your pets are never alone when you own Save My Pet ID Tag. Online at SaveMyPetIDTag.com. For more information about the host, to listen to past programs, and watch video versions of our guest interviews, our website is FourLeggedLife.com. And have a pawsome week.